Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. What an awesome presence of God here in this place. The excitement within all of you. I mean, it is just contagious. I'm excited to be in God's house today. And I praise the Lord for Pastor Marco. Uh, Him and I, when, like you said, when he first came to New Bedford and New Life started, uh, we met over at my church. I had called him, talked to him, said, come on, let's pray. And he came over and we stood right in the sound booth of our church and prayed. When you just had maybe 50 people, 60 people, 70 people. And, And you know what? Through the years, we've got a chance to talk and text, pray together. And now, what is it, a thousand people that come to new life? God is on the move. And so, praise the Lord. And keep your pastor in prayer. I'm a pastor, senior pastor. I've been one for 23 years, 18 years here in New Bedford. And I can tell you firsthand, he won't necessarily say this to you, but I can speak for him that pastors are under incredible spiritual torment and torture at times more than you could possibly imagine. And I help to mentor some, t- some pastors, even in the assemblies of God, because I know it takes, it takes years to get beyond some of that craziness that goes within your head. You don't see it. It's just there. So always keep him in prayer. Love him like you do, like you do. And by the way, keep me in prayer too. My wife is here, Gracie. Stand up. She's from Switzerland. I mean, she lives in America now with me, but she's from Switzerland. And my wife, Laura, is here. Stand up, Laura. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, my daughter. I'm sorry. What am I saying? That was weird. I'm not nervous. And I want to thank Aaron for everything. You're a wonderful brother in Christ. God's doing great things in your life, and I'm just excited. And I know a lot of people here. I know Stevie. I know Corey. I know some people that have come through our church and have come to New Life, and I'm excited for you. Do you know how all this happened? you know how we we connected with uh, one another to come and preach today? I was driving somebody. He was in the Korean War, and he is in his 80s now. I think he's 84, 85 years old. We were driving to Newport, Rhode Island to go to the naval base and, and he needed a prescription and I said, it's time that I could spend with him. It was in the morning so I could do it. And so we're just driving and all of a sudden I got a call from the newspaper. And the newspaper asked me, they said, well, you know, we've been calling pastors and this and that. And they've been, they said to me, um, you, you know, Pastor Bongiorno, um, we're hearing some negative things about new life. We're hearing, and they wanted me to say something negative. And I'm sure the girl had a complete turnaround by the time I got done talking to her. <laughs> because I just rebuked her and I said, listen. New Life is one of the growing churches, not just in New Bedford, but in this region of the country. And, and they reach out better than anybody I know, including our own church. They're reaching out and winning people to Jesus Christ. And they're baptizing 29th. You guys are going to be baptizing more people. 
I said, they're baptizing people constantly. I said, we need more than just one new life in New Bedford. We need new, new life two, new life three, new life four. We need as many churches as we can get because we're all part of the kingdom of God. You see, new life is my church too. And we're all part of the family of God. And so by the time I got done with her, I don't know if she repented. I don't know if she's come to know Jesus, but I told her, you need Jesus in your life and you can understand. And, and you're in a building project right now. And I can tell you, we went through the same process. We rented Keith. We rented the Zyterian Theater. We went to some of the other schools. We jumped around. And I know that can be really painful to do. You never know. Bad storm comes. You're not going to be able to go to your church on Sunday. And, and, but, but I can tell you this. We've watched God move and fulfill the dream at the point that we're at right now. And I can tell you, he's going to fulfill the dream for you. There, There have been times my wife and I, we just pulled into the place that you first had down on the water and we were praying. She's like, isn't that, we were biking. Were we biking or driving? I don't know, one or the other. But, but we pulled in there and, and she said, isn't it, you know, let's, let's pray. And we were just praying. And then it turns out, I heard that you sold that and it would have never been big enough for you. And what God is doing. And now, right now, the opportunity for the Shaws has come up, right? And so we're praying for that as well. So keep going forward. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. You just love Jesus and love God's people. You just keep loving on people. Winning people to the Lord. I do have a message for you today. It's Philippians chapter 4. You're in the series right now. Pastor Markle told me earlier this week that you're in Philippians. He said, why don't you preach from chapter 4 any point that you want to make out of there. And, and I know that be happy, right? And I can tell you I'm happy right now. And I'm going to be happy in a little while because we're going on vacation too. So... And um, be happy, and be happy despite the circumstances was the first message. Be happy despite the people was the second message. And be happy despite the things was the third message. Well, today I got a message, and the message is be happy by securing your life. Be happy by securing your life. When I was four years old, somebody broke into our house. And we lived in Lake City, Pennsylvania. And my dad was a gambler. It was before he came to know Christ, and he was out every night of the week, all night. Come home at four or five o'clock in the morning. He had the addiction of gambling before he came to Christ. And there must have been somebody that knew that within our neighborhood And my mother always stayed up late and she would be ironing clothes and cleaning the house and she was a night owl. And 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 one night while we were sleeping, the kids, I have two brothers and a sister, we were sleeping in one room. A man must have saw her in the window and came through an unlocked window in our bedroom and walked through the bedroom and, and then went into where she was ironing. Her back was to him. 
and he put his arm around her, and she's thinking that it's my dad who maybe came home a little early, but it wasn't. And she looked down and saw red hair instead of black hair, and she, and she screamed at the top of her lungs and took the iron and tried to burn him, and she ended up burning herself, and they wrestled a little bit. But that night, out of all of the nights that he's gone, he happened to stay home. And he came running from the bedroom and the shadow of him was on the wall and it made him two and three times the size he really was. And the burglar screamed like a sissy and ran as fast as he could and dove out the window and my dad dove after him. My dad didn't catch him. He busted his big toe though, landed on the ground. And after that, my mother always made sure the windows were locked and the doors were locked. She made sure the house was secure. She, whenever we would come in the house at night, she would say, lock the doors. In the daytime, lock those doors, lock the windows. And so for me, that was in my head and heart. Now, every time we, even my kids know, any time we're at our house, those doors and windows are always locked. We never leave anything unlocked. At night, when the kids come home, what do I tell you? Lock the doors, lock the doors. They get sick of hearing that. Lock them, lock them, because I'm, I'm anxious. I want to make sure those doors are locked. And um, at night, if I don't know that those doors and windows are locked, I toss and turn. I don't have any peace. You ever lay there in bed, wonder, those doors locked? Did I lock the windows? And, and you're tossing around, and, and, and I was, I'd be tossing around, but then when, once I'd go downstairs, check the doors and check the windows... I'd go up to bed and I'd sleep like a baby because I had peace. When you got peace, it makes you happy. And you can go to sleep. And, and, and today what I want to talk about is just like you got to secure your house, you got to secure your life. There are things within our lives. There are things right now going on in your life that you're staying up at night because of it. It's, it's bothering you. It's plaguing you. And I can't talk about everything, but I'm just going to talk about one thing that Paul talks about in the first three verses of Philippians chapter 4, and that's broken relationships. Broken relationships will keep you up at night, won't they? Broken relationships will plague you. They'll be on your mind, especially when you're a Christian. You've got a broken relationship with another Christian. There's nothing worse. It, it, it plagues you because the Holy Spirit is constantly saying, you got to make peace. you got to make amends. you got to go to your brother. you got to go to your sister. And so today, that's what I want to look at. And I think the Apostle Paul tells us in the Scriptures how to come together and agree with one another so that we can have peace and so that we can be happy. Take a look at this passage of Scripture. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to put on my Harry Potter glasses. And this is what it says. Now, the Apostle Paul's in prison. He's over in Rome. He's writing to a church in Philippi, one that he pioneered with a woman named Lydia. There was a lot of prominent women in the church. And it says in in Philippians 4, starting with verse 1, it says, Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friend. So he's spinning off of chapter 3 there saying, this is, how you, this is how you stand. And then in verse 2, take a look what it says of chapter 4. I plead, I plead, I beg. That's the word, that's the idea. With Eudia, a woman, and I plead. He says it twice. He's really, 
saying, come together, I plead with Sintike, to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, Help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, there's obviously a fight going on between them. There's a disagreement. We actually don't even know what the disagreement is. All we know is it's two prominent women, and if you take a look at the passage, they've served alongside Paul. They've served alongside Clement. They've served alongside the men. Unheard of in that day for women to be serving with the men alongside them. But when Jesus came, he brought women into the picture too, to equality, didn't he? And, and, so, and so here they are, they're serving, and Paul reminds them, says, you are servants of the Lord, you've served together, you've walked together, they've probably worshipped in the same church together, they've been there praying with other people together, they've probably preached the gospel and shared the gospel together, and now all of a sudden they have a disagreement. And Paul is saying, I'm pleading I'm pleading with you. And he calls this, this person out. He, he, it's, he calls him a yoke fellow. Is that what your Bible says? Does your Bible say yoke fellow? I know it says it on the screen back there. Yoke fellow. What's, what on earth is a yoke fellow? And he says, help them. These are people whose names are written in the book of life. They're going to heaven. We're all going to get to heaven. We're all going to be there together. And guess what? When we get there... There's not going to be any disagreements. So why not practice heaven on earth now? That's what he's saying. And so, and so, and so the apostle Paul calls these people together, but these two, but he, he calls this person a yoke fellow. Now, do you know what a yoke was used for? It was to be put on, it, it had two rings and they were connected together. And, and back in that day, they would plow the fields with ox. And so the ox, if they weren't hooked together, they could not plow together. One would go one way, the other would go another way. And what Paul is, is saying here is that this yoke that they would put on ox so that they could plow together, I need a yoke fellow. I need the yoke fellow to come and bring these two together so that they will be able to walk in unity with one another and agree with one another. That's what Paul's calling the yoke fellow. You know, Hayward, you, you don't know me. But as soon as I saw you, I said, you're the perfect yoke fellow. <laughs> Would you just stand up? Really, I, 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 was, I was going to make an announcement. I was going to make an announcement. Come on over here. He's <laughs> perfect. As soon as I saw him, I went over there and said, what's his name? And he said, hey, hey, Haywood. And I, I said, is it Hayward? He said, no, Haywood. I said, okay. And, and would you put your arms out just like this? But, but like this, like you're putting it around people. Turn, turn this way, though. Turn this way. So. Right? Look, look how big he is. I love it, man. Okay. Okay. You can put it down. He's a yoke fellow. His arms are big enough to wrap around anybody, any two people. Now, I need some small people, too. I mean, I'm small, but I need someone. I mean, I'm the preacher today, so I need two volunteers. Yes, right over here, right over here, right over here. That's it. Come on over here. 
Come on over here. Excuse me. Right? So, so, what's your name? Anna. Anna and? Jaslyn. Jaslyn? Yes. nice to meet you. Okay, this is, this is Haywood. Okay, okay. Um, just imagine, you're Udia, and you're Udia. Oh, I don't like that name. <laughs> Let's call you Anna. Okay. Okay, you're Anna, and you're Jaslyn. Okay, but you're Cintiq. Nah, you'll be, ja- you'll be Jaslyn. Okay. okay? Now, just imagine there's a disagreement between the two of you. And at one point, you were walking together. You were walking together, right? You're walking together, hand in hand, serving the Lord. But all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, something came between you. Maybe it was the color of the curtains in the church. Yeah. <laughs> right? Maybe it was on the 4th of July. You wanted to bring potato salad. You wanted to bring potato salad. And that's it. Maybe it's something big and theological that we don't even have answers on. Like this person says there's predestination. This person says once saved, always saved. This person says that, oh, you you can lose your salvation in a moment. And all of a sudden you guys are divided, but there's libraries of books already on all of that. And we don't have a clue what the answer is. When we get to heaven, we'll get the answer from the Lord, right? And so we just have to trust that we got to follow Jesus every day. Let's just say that might be it, right? And, and And so you're going in different directions. But, yoke fellow, come on over here, yoke fellow. <laughs> Would you just walk them, put your arm, is that okay? I know you, are you married? Yes. Okay, is that, is that where's your wife? Is that okay? Okay, okay. Come on over here. I don't want to get this guy mad. And I really don't want to get you mad, right? Because I, I can't imagine how you pick him up and throw him around, but I'm sure you do. You just walk them. See, a yoke fellow is somebody that's going to come alongside and he's going to be a mediator, and he's going to talk to them, and he's going to share with them, and he's going to love them, and he's going to say, come on, we can work this out. He's going to be prayed up. He's going to know the word of God, and he's going to be sharing the word with them, and he's going to be saying, listen, you guys work together. You've, you've contended in the gospel together. You've worked side by side. Your names are in the book of life. Someday we're all going to be in heaven. You better agree, because we're going to be in heaven together, and he's just going to walk with them, right? That's the yoke fellow, okay? And you're an awesome one, and thank you guys for showing that. Okay, I appreciate it. Man. And that's what Paul is saying to these people right here. We need yoke fellows. I want to be a yoke fellow. I want to bring people together. I can tell you when they made a phone call to me, when that call came from that newspaper... The hair on the back of my neck stood up. I was ready to attack because this is the family of God. You're part of the family of God. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not going to let the newspaper bring us in the dirt, try to tear us down. I'm going to make sure that I defend and I'll do that for any brother and sister in Christ. In the scriptures, there was a man named Barnabas Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 26. There was a man named Paul. His real name was Saul. And Saul was a Christian killer. He probably killed some of the cousins and the relatives and imprisoned some of the people that were in the church in Jerusalem. But he came to know Jesus on the road to Damascus. Jesus came down and brought new life into him. And now he became a proponent. He became a vessel. He became an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And, and, and the Jerusalem church and the brothers and sisters in the church were afraid of him. 
They didn't even want him to come to church. <laughs> they didn't want him to be a part. And it's this Barnabas who is really known as the son of encouragement. He came alongside. And take a look what it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 20, starting with verse 26. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him not believing that he really was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Can I tell you what? Barnabas became what that man there is, a yoke fellow. He brought them in and he brought the disciples together and he brought the apostle Paul together and they walked until they were in the same mind together on the same track. That's what God's calling us to do. But when I thought of this passage, when I thought thought about the yoke fellow, the greatest yoke fellow there has ever been is Jesus Christ. He is the greatest yoke fellow. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life for us. He makes intercession for us. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting with verse 5, I want you to take a look at this passage of scripture. And look what it says. You need to, you need to see it. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. Look what it says. It says, The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and good conscience and sincere faith. You know what? It's not chapter 2. Oh, yeah, it's chapter 1. I'm sorry. Chapter 2, verse 5, it says this right here. It says in verse 5, For there is one mediator and one there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Just one. He is the greatest yoke fellow. And as we become yoke fellows, as we come together with one another, as we walk with those who have disagreement, and you'll have disagreement, I don't care how spiritual you are, we're all very spiritual, but the truth is we all have disagreements, right? Because unfortunately we're sinners living in the face of this earth. And so we're going to have disagreements. But when we have disagreements, let's hook up with the yoke fellow. Jesus is the greatest He put his arm around us and he put his arm around the Father and he walked with us so that we could all walk together. You see it? You see it? Jesus is the greatest yoke fellow. And we, when we bring people together in agreement, we become like Jesus. And we become like his image. And his image is in us where we can bring people together. That's our job. Reconciliation. Healing. Hey, as a pastor, guess what? I have brokenness at times. I have broken relationships at times. But you know what? I need to work on those relationships to come together with different people. In my own household, my wife and I sometimes, we'll go at it a little bit, and then she'll pick me up and and throw me around, Haywood. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Not always, but, you know. But we have to come together. And so so we are agents of reconciliation and we're trying to bring people together. Let me share one more verse with you. Let me share one more verse about that. And it's in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, it says, 
verse 18, it says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And look what it says. Look what it says. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We're all yoke fellows. And we follow the greatest yoke fellow, and that's Jesus Christ. We're to bring people together. My family owned a plastic business. Matter of fact, probably some of the toys that you 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds played with might have been made at that plastic. Big Will and Play-Doh containers. And, and, and we lived right next door to the plastic business. My brother and I would go there sometimes when it wasn't even open. And we'd climb up on, in the warehouse all of the boxes of toys. We'd be climbing on top of those things. Way as high as this. Way up. I think of it now. It's like, oh my goodness, we were out of our minds. <laughs> but we would climb up. And, and my Uncle Angelo would go there even when it was closed. We lived next door, so my dad had a key. We'd go in there. We'd drive the, you know, the forklifts and jitneys. We'd drive those around. You know? We were like 10. And, and one day when we were there, and it wasn't open. My uncle, who was a World War II vet, who had been in a lot of action, he came walking in, and we were hiding behind the boxes. And there's these little beads of plastic that they use to melt and make plastic toys or plastic things. My brother and I, we were hiding, and we were giggling together, you know, and, and we took the plastic the hands in both of our hands, and we threw it at my uncle. Now it's dark. We threw it at him. And, and when it hit him, he went into panic mode, anger mode, and we're laughing and we're running. He caught us. I've had some beatings, you know, because back in that day, you give beatings, okay? It wasn't time out. You get a beating. I'm not giving an opinion. I'm just saying. But I am a preacher, and I am happy, and, but never mind. But he gave us a beating out of anger. We were totally wrong. But he beat us, and I mean, he slapped us silly. I, we even had bloody noses. And he, he just went because he was, because he was in, in this trauma mode. Man, he knows what it meant to be in foxholes. And, and, and he beat us. Our noses were bleeding, and then he walked to his office. He walked to his office. Well, my grandfather came in maybe about 10 minutes later. And he found me and my brother still weeping over what had happened. Because we knew we were wrong. But the truth is, he was a little wrong too. And he's one of my favorite uncles. But my, my grandfather, he put his arms around us. And he brought us into my Uncle Angelo's office. And we were crying. And my uncle was crying too, because he felt terrible. And, and, and my grandfather said, come on, let's make up. Come on, pass out some hugs. Let's talk about the wrong that happened on both sides. And then let's move forward. And we, and we did that. We did just that. And see, and he became, I, I wouldn't leave my uncle's side. 
When he, when he would drive the jitney, and I mean, he is, he's the president of the company, but he would drive the jitney sometimes loading up some trucks. I would be sitting next to him on the jitney. It's my favorite uncle. And that little incident that happened could have really destroyed us. But instead, with the yoke fellow, brought us together. And we loved them more. And I was at, praise the Lord, he lived to be 93 years old. He went home to be with the Lord about two or three years ago. But I, I was right by his side. And, and my brother would visit him continuously because he lives in Erie, Pennsylvania, where my brother lived at the time. Brought us together. But I'm horrible if we didn't build, rebuild that relationship, you know? But that's what yoke fellows do. You know, um, the, we have a radiator in our house. Any of you have radiators that you heat the house with? Any of you have those, those big, they're heavy, right? They must weigh 500 pounds, those things, right? And, and we have a radiator, and the purpose of the radiator is to heat the house. I mean, water comes from the, the, the furnace, it's boiling, it's hot, it's hot water, it's burning hot water. Matter of fact, if you put your hands on the radiator, if you leave them on there long enough, you're going to get burnt, it gets really, really, really hot. That's the purpose of a radiator. But then, then you have, I want to I th- think of this other word, the mediator. A mediator, who Christ is. What Paul was saying about the yoke fellow. A mediator doesn't heat things up. It actually cools things down. It brings people together. And you know what I was thinking when I was going to preach this message? I said, let's not be radiators. Let's be mediators. That's what we need to be. And too often what happens is someone, something bad happens and we get on board and we jump on board and we're on one side or we're on the other side, you know, and you can't be, you feel like, oh, I can't be in the middle. Oh, Paul's saying you get in the middle and you lead them down the right road. And, and so, and so don't be a radiator. It's so easy. People can feed into that. Our sinful ways, my nature, your nature, we sometimes want, let's heat this thing up. Don't, no, no, we're not going to throw water. Give me the gasoline. No way, man. We're firemen. We're firewomen. We're fire people. Give me, give me that fire extinguisher. I want to put it out. Why? Because Satan's never going to win and divide the family of God. And so even today, right now, in your life, your situation, your circumstance, there's a lot of things we have to get in order to secure our house. But I'm just focusing on this one this morning. Maybe you have brokenness, broken relationships. Maybe there's a situation in your life, it's in your household, or it's, it's on your job with somebody, or it's with a brother and sister. We're sinful creatures I mean, we're all porcupines, and we got to learn to put our porky needles down to be able to get close to each other, you know? But every now and then, I'm sorry, one of my needles is going to hurt you. I hope you'll come and tell me. And this way, we can make amends and be able to work through this. Because there's situations right now might be keeping you up at night. I mean, in relationships. That's specifically in relationships. And you need to secure the house so you have peace, so you're happy, so you can sleep at night. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know the situation, but I can tell you that Jesus can bring 
peace. I mean, we need to apologize. Apologize. I need to apologize at times. I'm sorry, I blew it. I don't even say, if I hurt you. If I hurt, if you're hurt, if you're hurt and you're pointing the finger at me and you're crying, I might not have intended to hurt you, but I hurt you. And I want you to know that I'm sorry that I hurt you. I mean, if someone ran their car in the side of me, I'm sure they didn't mean to do it, but I don't want them to say, oh, well, if, if I happen to do, you didn't intend to do it, but look at my car. It's an apology. It's forgiveness. They can't make it up. They can't make up for what they did, probably. They might not be able to, to go back in the past. The only way to make it up is to, to, to never allow it to happen. But it happened, so you can't make up what happened. And that's where the person that's been hurt just gives grace. That's what Jesus did. We, we could have never made up all of our, what we did wrong. We were wrong, he was right, but he went to the cross. Got to go to the cross. I'm going to give you grace. It's not earned. It's free. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to smile a little extra hard at me. You don't have to somehow clean my car or do, you know, clean my office. Give me 50 bucks unless you want to. <laughs> no, no. It's called grace. And I'm extending it to you. It's over. It's gone. As far as the east is from the west, the sin is gone, and let's come together now, and let's be brothers and sisters and walk together. Sometimes on your job, you can't have that kind of reconciliation that you have with a brother or sister, because it's not a brother and sister that you're dealing with. It's a person that's of the world, and they don't know God's way. But you can still be Christ to them. You can still extend grace to them. You can still love them and say, I forgive you. Or you can still apologize and say, I was way out of line. And that brings people together. I'm sorry. You know what I love? I, I love when people can come together and have communion with one another. And I can tell you, if you have broken relationships with brothers or sisters, maybe one of the things that you want to do is have a little ceremony. And that little ceremony is, is when the relationship is broken, you come together, they know what communion means, you know what communion means, and you come together and you say, Jesus gave his life for the both of us, let's take communion because we're starting over. In your household, if you have that brokenness between husband and wife, and, and you're Christians, and Christians do have brokenness in their marriages at times, and you come together and you say, let's take communion. We're starting over. It'll bring that peace. And that peace is going to make you happy. And it's going to secure your life so you can sleep. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.